We hope you enjoy this podcast from Light Church Edithburg. To find out more about us, visit lightchurch.co. Like I said, we've been, uh, we're looking at Psalms at the moment, an incredible book, uh, the prayer book and the song book of Jesus. And uh, Psalms were part of the formal worship of Israel. It was their communication to God. It's direct, it's honest, it's sometimes quite intense. <laughs> but that's, that's what it is. It is. It's a worship and it's how Israel came to meet with God. And Psalms are special. Uh, it builds your understanding of God, builds your intellect. There's something special that triggers things in our imagination and symbolism. Uh, it speaks and directs our will. And it really highlights and has a place for our emotions. You often see the writer just expressing in the rawest form what they've got. Everything from shame to anger to joy to sadness. It's just real expression to God. And uh, they're written before Jesus. And like everything in the Bible needs to be read in light of Jesus. You know, Hebrews tells us to come boldly and confidently into the presence of God. Because of who Jesus is, we can come and meet with God. We can meet with his presence. We can receive from God. And I think that's what Psalms helps us do. Psalms helps us come boldly and confidently to God. It helps us come and meet with God, walk with God. It's a book of poetry and songs. And uh, within there, there's all sorts of other genres of psalms. There's hymns, which are about praising God. And they're often really positive and, and, and thankful. And then there's the opposite. There's laments. And, and they're, they're, they're depressing. <laughs> they're full of despair. They're full of uh, confession. They're, they're full of, what are they, full of complaints. There's thanksgiving psalms, there's psalms of confidence, remembrance, where they remember history and what God's done. There's wisdom psalms, which are pretty similar to Proverbs. And there's even kingship psalms and messianic psalms, which look forward to Jesus. And so there's this huge book of 150 different songs. And you'll read every emotion under the sun. And sometimes you hear God's voice, but often it's the writer. Sometimes uh, anger will turn to joy. Sometimes anger will just stay as anger. Sometimes sadness will turn to joy. Sometimes it'll just say sadness. Sometimes it'll do it about five different times. Sometimes it's thankful. It's an incredible book of communicating and meeting with God. And uh, it's not a perfect example to live. One of the Psalms, and I'll preach about it a bit next week, is well, not that particularly, but I'll mention it, is that it, one Psalm says, Let no one be kind to him. Let their children be fatherless. And let them have no inheritance. And it doesn't get any better, right? And that doesn't quite line up with Jesus. But it's a real expression. And so Psalms isn't, I uh, say, the Bible shows people in the highs and the lows. And Psalms is showing us how to communicate with God, how to meet with God. It's showing us that actually we can come to God in any state, in any mindset, and He's there for us. We can come in the highs, we can come in the lows, we can just come and meet with God and He loves us exactly where we are. How good's that? Psalms helps us meet with God, it helps us know God. Today I want to look at one psalm, and it's a famous psalm. And we can, we've got to be careful with maybe, I say famous, you, you might be new here, this might be your first time, and everything's new to you. But if you've been around church a bit, we, we hear different passages more than others. And... Uh, this is one of those passages, and we've got to be careful when we do that because sometimes we miss some incredible meaning in it. And today we're going to look at Psalm 23. 
And I'm going to read it. Verse 1. The Lord is my shepherd. I have all that I need. He lets me rest in green meadows. He leads me beside peaceful streams. He renews my strength. He guides me along right paths, bringing honour to his name. Even when I walk through the darkest valley, I will not be afraid, for you are close beside me. Your rod and your staff protect and comfort me. You prepare a feast for me in the presence of my enemies. You honour me by anointing my head with oil. My cup overflows with blessings. Surely your goodness and unfailing love will pursue me all the days of my life, and I will live in the house of the Lord forever. Let's pray. God, this is your word, this is your church, your Lord of our lives. I pray that your word comes alive in us. Let your words be remembered and nothing else. Uh, we just give you our hearts, our minds, our lives, and we pray that you speak into us as you see fit, not us, as you do. In the name of Jesus, amen. The Lord is my shepherd. God is the shepherd. We are the sheep. If this psalm is going to mean anything, we have to understand that and live that. Actually, this psalm is so powerful, it's full of so many promises as long as the Lord is the shepherd and we are the sheep. He's Lord, not us. That's where this psalm's powerful. If he's not Lord, then it's fluff. The promises are still true if he's Lord. Jesus is Lord. Jesus is the shepherd, I am the sheep. He is leading, I am not, I am following. You know, looking after the sheep has changed over the years. There's a bit more, uh, I, 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 don't, I know a few farmers, I haven't personally looked after sheep because I, frankly I don't want to. Um, uh, but King David who wrote this was a king, but he was a shepherd. So he was acutely aware of being a shepherd and what it took and what was involved in that in the context. And in these times the shepherd would care for the flock, they'd tend to the flock They'd even know the flock by name. Uh, they'd fight off beasts for the flock. They'd live with them. Farmers, not in the house. You've got to head out with the sheep. Right. It's a little bit of a different context. It, wasn't, uh, it was a lowly job with huge commitment, with huge care. The shepherds looked after their sheep. He was the protector for the sheep, the provider for the sheep. Jesus calls himself the good shepherd. In John 10 verse 11 it says, this is Jesus speaking, he says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd sacrifices his life for the sheep. A hired hand will run when he sees a wolf coming. He will abandon the sheep because they don't belong to him and he isn't their shepherd. And so the wolf attacks them and scatters the flock. The hired hand runs away because he's only working for the money and doesn't really care about the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and they know me. Just as my father knows me and I know the father, so I sacrifice my life for the sheep. I have other sheep too that are not in the sheepfold. I must bring them also. They will listen to my voice and there will be one flock with one shepherd. How awesome that Jesus calls himself the shepherd. A servant role. But really, isn't that what he did? He laid down his life to serve us. And this isn't a shepherd that's just making a bit of money. This is a shepherd who cares, who values, who protects, who provides. Jesus is a pretty good shepherd. I love how the author says, the Lord is my, my shepherd. Not the shepherd, not a shepherd, my shepherd. Because that's how we follow Jesus. 
You can't follow someone you don't see. You can't follow someone you can't hear. You can't follow someone you're not walking with. To follow someone, you've got to know them. And to, for Jesus to be Lord, for him to be our shepherd, to follow our saviour Jesus, we've got to know him. He's got to be my saviour, my shepherd. He's got to be your shepherd, not just a shepherd. Because we can know of God, but not know God. He's people heard of Jesus. You'd be hard-pressed to find someone who wouldn't have heard the name Jesus. But to know Jesus, to know the shepherd. You know, I, I'm pretty sure I need a shepherd. I'm not the wisest, strongest, most resourced person going around. Uh, I don't know about you, but I need a shepherd. And this passage is full of promises when Jesus is our shepherd. But that's got to be the foundation of where we come from. He is our shepherd. He is Lord, not me. He's Lord, not me. The Lord is my shepherd. I have all that I need. Your version might say, I shall not want. This word want, it, it, it's a right in the translation, but the, the original meaning unpacks it so much more. It means to be lacking in something that will cause failure. Let me read it like this. If I paraphrase that, I say, God is my shepherd. I will not be lacking in anything I need to succeed. Because it's not just what I, I have all that I need. It's I have all that I need to succeed. Because what we need is quite relative, isn't it? Uh, quite contextual. Uh, what we need here in Edithburg is different to uh, in the wilderness of Congo. <laughs> right. Uh, it's pretty easy for us to get water. It's pretty easy for us to get food, even shelter, right? Uh, what we need is contextual, isn't it? But I love this. The original meaning is, I'm not lacking in what I need to succeed, to succeed. But then what even is that? What even is success? At the heart of it, I think it's knowing God and doing what he has for us. I have all that I need to follow Jesus. I have all that I need to do what he's called me to do. If you needed it, you'd have it. Doesn't mean we don't work for things, doesn't mean we don't uh, build things in our lives, but we have all that we need right now to follow Jesus. We have all that we need to love other people. We have all that we need. If you're waiting for something, if you're waiting for a resource, if you're waiting for time, if you're waiting for something, stop waiting, you've got all that you need. You don't need more time to follow Jesus, you've got time. You don't need to know more about Jesus to follow Jesus, you, you, you have all that you need. I have all that I need. It's almost a decision and a declaration, isn't it? <laughs> Sometimes I think we've got to say it to remind ourselves that we can be content with what we have. Oh, that's right, I have all that I need. So I'm saying, yeah, I've got all that I need, but it's almost reminding my brain, yeah, I've got all that I need. Come on, Ben, remember, you've got all that you need to be content. The promise is you have all that you need. He lets me rest in green meadows. I love that. We're going to stop line by line here because sometimes we just breeze through it. Think about it. He lets me rest in green meadows. Love that word green. Life-giving, fruitful, pleasant. Now, I don't want to camp in the desert, but 
I don't actually want to camp in general. But I don't want a holiday in the desert. It's hot and dry, but somewhere green, full of life. He lets me rest. Meadows. That's the pastures. That's where the sheep live. He will lead me to rest in a life-giving home. You know, the shepherd, Jesus knows we need rest. That's pretty cool. He doesn't just know we need rest. He lets us and leads us to rest and knows where to find it. How often do we try and find our own rest? How often do we try and find our own rest? The promise here is Jesus will let us rest. He'll lead us to rest. Jesus said, come to me. I will give you rest. And whenever Jesus talks, I think it's for a reason. And I don't think he's saying, I'll come to me and I'll give you a, a, a lazy Saturday morning or an afternoon without the kids. Uh, that's what I think when I think of rest sometimes and I don't really process it through. I think it's a way of life. Jesus said, Come to me and I'll give you rest. Uh, the psalmist David says, He lets me rest in green meadows. How often could God be leading us to rest and we don't listen or obey? Sometimes God put things on our heart, something to do, something to say, somewhere to go. And often, maybe we don't think about it as maybe He's actually leading us to rest. You know, for so long, I felt God putting my heart to, I've always read and, and prayed to buy, and read, done things like that, but I felt to do something in the morning. But I always had excuses. The kids and, and work or exercise. Like, I just found it hard to get a regular routine. I'm not saying you have to have a morning tour. It was just what God put in my heart for a long time. And, and a few months ago now, I'm like, all right, I get it, God. I know you've said this and put it in my heart numerous times. I'm like, okay, I need to get it right. And so we, we put things in place to do it. And it meant getting up a lot earlier. And what we do is we get up, me and Tally, we get up in the morning, put on worship, read and pray. And let me tell you, it's been the most life-giving. It's been the most refreshing. It's been the most refilling, nourishing wisdom. It's, it's, been the, it's probably had the biggest impact, one of the biggest impacts in a whole marriage. I'm never going to change it. But how long did it take me just to listen and do it? Jesus wasn't trying to correct me. He was trying to lead me to rest. What's God been talking to you about? He could be trying to lead you to rest. God, you're saying, God, I need rest. I'm tired. I'm stressed. God's saying, well, listen to me. I'm trying to lead you to rest. I want, to, I want you to rest. I know you need rest. I know where you need to rest. We rest in his presence. Meadows, it talks about meadows and pastures and, and that, that's the idea of home and, and often rest is found in community. It's found in God's presence. It's found in God's house. Rest is found in Him. The promise for sheep following the shepherd is He will give you rest. That's a great promise. Hold on to that promise. He leads me beside peaceful streams. Now we've been, before we're reading Psalms, we're reading Acts and talking about the Holy Spirit. And there's all sorts of imagery about the Holy Spirit, some that seems to contradict each other, but it doesn't, it's just adding layers. And there's fire, there's a dove, there's wind, but there's water and living water. Streams. 
He leads us to rest. Where? From being filled with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is God's presence on earth. Jesus said, it's better that I leave so the Holy Spirit comes. And the Holy Spirit will be within you and it will come upon you. And the Holy Spirit does so many things. It's tongues, it's signs of wonders, but it's comfort and it's rest and it's strength and it's wisdom. It's God's presence on earth, God in us. To be filled with the Holy Spirit, to be filled with God. And the promise is He'll lead you beside peaceful streams. Stream, not a pond. A stream, in and out, in and out. How does it go out? Loving others, serving others, doing what Jesus did. In and out. Your peace and rest is tied so closely to being filled with the Holy Spirit. You read for accent, they were filled on the day of Pentecost, but then they kept being filled because they had leaks. And I, I was thinking about it. Why do they keep need, being, need to be refilled all the time? Well, I know in my life, God needs to keep doing things in me. I know I need a bit of work. And so I need to keep being filled with the Holy Spirit, keep being filled with God because He's got more for me. He wants to do stuff in me and my character, but through me. I know I've got ongoing opportunities in life. I've got ongoing challenges in life. So I need ongoing filling with the Holy Spirit. And that's where Jesus leads us to be filled. Jesus leads us to rest because it's ongoing. It's not one and done. Rest is tied so closely to God's presence and the Holy Spirit. And he wants you to be full of rest. Promises you'll be filled. He renews my strength. Other versions say, restores my soul. This word here, renew, it's the Hebrew word shuv. Am I pronounced that wrong? And its best meaning is to turn back, turn or return. It's actually the root of the word repent. To turn. Repenting isn't sitting down and telling someone everything you've done wrong. It's turning. It's going one way and turning another. We're saying the shepherd Jesus restored us, reconciled us, our, our spirits, our souls. What Jesus did on the cross, Jesus laid down his life, took sin and death onto himself to deal with it, to remove it, to cancel the debt. So we have life. So we're restored. So we're reconciled. So we've got a future. He restores us in our spirit. He restores our relationship with God. He restores our relationship with each other by calling us to love. He restores our daily life. He restores our future. He restores our eternity. The shepherd, when we follow, restores. Jesus says, come follow me. What's one of the promises? He restores our soul. Hey, that's a pretty good promise. When you're a sheep following the shepherd, he'll restore, he'll renew. That's pretty cool. He guides me along right paths, bringing honour to his name. This word God is different to lead. This word God is it's speaking to an unfamiliar place, a new place of living, somewhere you haven't been before. So we might go back to the same place to be filled and find rest, but he'll guide you to a new place, a new way of living. 
Now, God will lead us to a place of transformation, of restoration, of renewal. We're called to be a new creation. Uh, Colossians 3 verse 10 says, Put on your new nature and be renewed as you learn to know your Creator, become like Him. God wants to do something new in you and me. And it doesn't stop. And if it's new, it means we haven't been there before. If it's new, it means we haven't experienced it before. If it's new, it means we haven't thought about it before. If it's new, maybe it's a new attitude. He wants to guide me along right paths. What does that mean? He wants to transform to be more like Jesus as you walk and follow. I don't know if you've ever been going to a, a formal occasion, maybe a wedding, an engagement party, going to a wedding and you've got to stop in at Macca's. And you're in your tux, you've got your suit, your vest on, you've got your tie on, you've got your nice shoes, you've done your hair, and everyone else is in their trackies. <laughs> I remember being in my suit once and stopping into the Edithburg Deli, and uh, what well, I had a good old laugh. And uh, it feels a bit strange, because no one else is dressed like you. And you're looking around, and, and everyone's looking at you like, Who is, what is going on here? Everyone knows you're going to somewhere else. But no one knows where. They know that they're not going there. <laughs> and you stand out. And sometimes this is what being guided along right paths is. And sometimes it will feel a little bit strange. It'll feel a bit like, I'm not really there yet. God's saying, I want you to pray for this, I want you to do this, I want you to serve this. He's transforming something in us and it's like, uh, I, feel, I still feel like I'm, I'm not really where I'm meant to be. Uh, I've changed. People are commenting. Uh, God's doing something in you for where he's taking you next. God does something in you for where we're going next, not where we are now. He does something in us, in our spirit, in our character. He does something to do something through us later on. God fills you with patience now for when you're going to need it later. God fills you with strength now, not for now, but for later. God fills you with peace now for later, not for now. In fact, if we, if we, if we don't let him mould us and, and, and do things in us now, later might not come. Or we won't be ready for later, or later won't last. He does something in us now for later. He guides me along new paths. And sometimes uh, it'll be bringing in something new. Something, sometimes it'll be getting rid of something old, but he guides us along new ways, a new way of living. The promise is Jesus will do something in you when you follow him. And then we have the only promise which probably isn't that exciting in the whole, even when I walk through the darkest valley. <laughs> That's a promise. You're going to walk through some valleys. Thanks, David. Uh, you could call them storms. You could call them uh, valleys. Call them whatever you want. When you're following the shepherd, life will still happen. Things won't go to plan. You, you might get hurt. You will get hurt. You will walk through valleys. That's a promise. Because Jesus doesn't lie to us. Different versions say, walk through the shadow the valley of death, the shadow, the shadow of death. I want you to know, if you're walking, if you feel like you're walking through the valley, if you feel like you're walking through the shadow of death, 
I want you to remember, it's just a shadow, it's not the reality. Sometimes we're walking through the valley and we feel like it is death. We feel like it's all over. We feel like it's no return. It's just a shadow. Jesus faced death, so we don't have to. He dealt with sin and death. So if you feel like you're dealing with it, it's just a shadow. Now, shadows can still be scary in bad lighting, in dark, but it's just a shadow. Someone needs to know today that what you're walking through, it feels like it's all over. It's not. It's just a shadow. What you're struggling with, it's just a shadow. What you're walking through is just a shadow. I'm not minimizing it. It is a valley, but it's not the reality. It's just a shadow. We walk you know, I'm not a real camper, I don't, uh, especially out in a scrub or in a wilderness. Uh, it's just boring. Uh, I like showers, I like coffee, I like to walk around towns, I like to go somewhere new. Uh, I actually agreed to go camping with my wife later in the year when it's warmer. But I, we need to move locations because I don't want to stay anywhere for more than two nights. I'm just going to get bored and I need to be able to walk around town and we need to be able to have showers. And So kind of camping, but not. I don't like camping. I don't like just, just staying one place for like two weeks in the wilderness. It sounds horrible. Right. I want to move. I want to do stuff. I want to go out and about. I want to experience. I, want, I don't want to stay in one place. I'll do it all in the afternoon. Just more trees. Right. It says walk through the valley. Don't camp. It says walk. Walk through. Don't camp. If you're in a valley... You don't have to run. You don't have to just hop on the mountain the next minute, but just, just keep walking. Keep walking. But the second half, I will not be afraid because you are close beside me. Oh, what a promise. Your shepherd, my shepherd, is close beside me in every single moment. That's a promise. In the valley, in the mountaintop, in the, all the emotions, uh, in the anger, in the sadness, in the joy, in the doubt, he is close beside me. Not too far ahead, not too far behind, close beside, close beside. It's going to read a passage from Romans 8. Again, you would have heard this a lot of times and then we're going to stop and actually consider what it's actually saying. Can anything ever separate us from Christ's love? Does it mean he no longer loves us if we are trouble or calamity or are persecuted or hungry or destitute or in danger or threatened with death? No. Despite all these things, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ. I'm convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love, neither death nor life, angels or demons, fears for today, worries about tomorrow, not even the powers of hell can separate us. No power in the sky or earth below. Indeed, nothing in all creation will be able to separate us from love. Again, you may have heard it before. I want to stop and consider what can't separate us from the love of Jesus. Because we know it, but do we know it? Death or life. So nothing in this life. Nothing in death. That's a whole other sermon for how that works theologically, but... Not death or life can separate you from the love of Jesus, his presence. Angels or demons, 
fears for today, worries about tomorrow. I think that one was written for 2021 in the anxious world we live in. That can't separate you from... What if you doubt God and He's right beside you? That can't separate from His love. I love this one. Not even the powers of hell. (laughs) For if anything can separate you from Jesus' love, it's hell. Not even hell can separate us from the love of Jesus, the presence of Jesus. No power in the sky above or on the earth below. Whatever that means, that's a lot. Nothing in all creation will ever, this is a future forever tense, ever be able to separate us from the love of God. The promise, God is with you. God is beside you. His love is right there. Because who God is love, it's who he is and is what he does. Jesus is God. So when Jesus is close beside you, his love is close beside you. They go together. Wherever you go, he is close beside. That is a promise when we followed the shepherd. Your rod and your staff protect and comfort me. Rod and staff. They think it was one tool with two uses. Like a, uh, I don't know what would be a, a wooden spoon. Stirs and it's also a weapon. Oh, something like that. It's all I could come up with in this moment. Rod and staff. One instrument, two uses. One for support, like a walking stick. One for protection and correction. Sounds less lovely than support. but What does that mean, Correction. It's when the, the sheep wouldn't go to much. Oh, wake up. Point to him. Protect him. You now, God protects us. Me and you probably will never know what God's protected us from all the time. God protects me and you. He watches over us. He corrects us. If, if we're going to be transformed, if we've got a new way of living, he's going to have to kind of correct us a little bit. It's like when you prune the trees and you... Correction. What does that look like? But how does it happen? First and foremost, it's in love, because God is love. It's for our benefit, but it's for the benefit of others. But how would God correct us? Well, through the Word. I think that's the number one way. It's actually the, it's the easiest way for me and you, actually, if we just read it and do it. It's much simpler for, for us and for everyone else, actually. God corrects us. We examine our lives in, in God corrects us through His Word. He corrects us through the Holy Spirit. When He puts something on our heart, oh, are you sure you want to do that? Or maybe love. That feeling, the Holy Spirit, God within us. Does it through Word. Does it through other people sometimes. That's probably the least fun way. Uh, hopefully you've got gentle people. Sometimes they might not be as gentle. But God uses each other. You know, whenever that happens, can I encourage you? Obey it as quickly as possible. The quicker we learn, the less it's probably going to hurt, the less time it will take. 
God puts something in your heart, just, just run with it. Just run with it. He corrects us. Supports us. The idea is like a walking stick. Keeps you steady. Well, my knee, I've still got no ligament in there, but when it first went, it was just wobbly everywhere. I couldn't stand it at all. Now I can like, do all sorts. Right. I needed crutches so I wouldn't fall over. And sometimes in life, we're, we're right, we don't need any help. We can walk and he can just be beside us, and that's great. Sometimes we, we need someone to hold us up. That's what it is. It's a, and remember, this is while they're in the valley. Your rod and your staff protect me when, when you're in the valley. This is how we get out of valleys. We listen and we're protected and corrected and we're supported. If you want to get out of the valley quicker that you're in, listen to the Word of God and use His support. If you don't listen, if you don't use your support, you're probably going to be camping there for a little while. That's the truth of the word. The shepherd promises he's with us in any season. In this context, he promises us he's in the valleys. He promises he'll correct us. He promises he'll protect us. He promises he'll support us. But it's if he's Lord. I've seen people deal with bitterness for years. Living in a valley they don't need to live in. Because they're not letting Lord be Lord. His promise, he'll protect, support, and correct us. You prepare a feast for me in the presence of my enemies. I was thinking about this, if you were a sheep, what would that look like? Just the most luscious grass and all these wolves out in the distance, but they can't do nothing because you've got all the grass. A feast. You know, Jesus talked about feasts and banquets a little bit. And they always represented the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven. Whenever Jesus said a parable and invited you, he invited to you the kingdom of God, kingdom of heaven. I love it. It's God's prepared something for you in spite of whatever else is going on. Lord's Prayer, let your kingdom come, let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Heaven on earth. That's the kingdom of God. That's the kingdom of heaven. That's what this feast is. He's prepared this for us. So we experience heaven. When you experience healing, when you experience rest, peace, strength within you, you're experiencing heaven on earth. Now, we don't just experience it, but we bring heaven. When we bring justice, we bring heaven to earth. When we bring love to someone else, we're actually bringing heaven to earth. When we bring peace to chaos, we're actually bringing heaven to earth. So we experience heaven and we bring heaven despite whatever else is happening in our world. That's the feast and the prince of my enemies. Now I hope you don't have too many enemies. I'd hope that would be the case. I don't think I do. If I do, well, I don't think I do. Uh, But it can represent whatever, this stuff in our world, in our family, maybe in our lives, in our society that can feel like enemies. It can feel like the opposite to the kingdom of God. And there is. Uh, you name it. Me- mental health, injustices, 
brokenness, abuse. There's so many things that are enemies to the word of God, the presence of God. But Jesus says, when you follow me, I've prepared a banquet, a feast. I've prepared the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven for you to experience and to bring despite of all of that that's here. We don't have to wait for the world to be perfect to experience heaven. We don't have to wait for the perfect calm we to experience heaven. We can experience heaven despite whatever else is out there. That's the promise. So when it's the most chaotic time, when there's the most confusion, when the morals have gone out in the window in our world, we can experience and bring heaven when we follow the shepherd. It says, you anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows with blessing. Overflow the Holy Spirit. You know, the sheep back in the day, I did a bit of research, and they used to pour oil over the sheep's head. And I believe it would stop things crawling up and eating their brains. Pretty gross. But pretty cool. If you think about it, if we're anointed with the Holy Spirit, it protects our mind. I know that's where I get in trouble. I generally think it before I say it. Generally, right? But what's this cup overflow with blessing? It's, it's, imagine you're filled with the Holy Spirit, filled with God's presence, and you're filled so much it just overflows and just goes everywhere else. It overflows into other people, overflows into your marriage, overflows into your children, overflows into your friends, overflows into your workplace, overflows into your finances, overflows to your neighbor, overflows to your hobbies, your sporting clubs. The idea is we're filled with God's presence, we're filled with the Holy Spirit, and we have an abundance, and it flows into every area of our life. That's the promise. When we're filled, when we follow Jesus, it overflows into the different places we come into. When we follow, if we follow, then we're filled, then it overflows. It's a promise. Surely your goodness and unfailing love will pursue me all the days of my life. Wow. This word pursue or follow, your version might say follow, it doesn't do it justice. It literally means to chase after. It's like if uh, I was in Ardrossan and someone stole Leslie's bag. And uh, on one leg, I'd still chase him and I'd get him. Just Lord's justice, just chasing down. That's the picture that God's mercy and goodness is literally chasing after us. It's not just like a passive follow. No, God's goodness and mercy and love is chasing after us. Let me put it this way. Uh, I love being a dad. I love doing a lot of things, but there's some things I do because I have to. Right? And so I love being a dad. I love playing with my girls. And uh, I love being a fool. Right? Uh, Myra likes to be a ballerina at the moment. And, uh, and she does a little turtle. Nancy just does this. Not very good yet. And uh, I'm probably still the best ballerina in the house at the moment. Um, just being honest. And... I love playing with them. I don't love doing other things. I don't love getting up at night. I actually despise it. I get really grumpy when I do it. I don't love changing nappies, but I do it because if I didn't do those things, I'd be a horrible father. And so some things I love doing as a dad, some things I do as I have to. And I 
one in about ten I might do with a good attitude, right? God isn't like that with us. He's not up in heaven thinking, all right, I love him. All right, okay, I'll do the right thing because I'm God. I'll love Peter again. No, he, his goodness and mercy is chasing after us. He wants to. The last line, and I will live in the house of the Lord forever. Forever. Now, eternity. We have a home in heaven. Wow. See, there's a lot of promises in there when we follow the shepherd. Leads us to rest, filled, refreshed, renews, restored, transforming us, with us, protecting us, correcting us, supporting us, experiencing and bringing heaven, overflowing into our lives, chasing after us forever. Wow. That's the promises when we're sheep that follow the shepherd. If you take a step back even further, if you look at the, the, the different parts, it starts by God's in front of you leading, then in the middle God's beside you, and at the end he's chasing after you. What's that saying? God's all around you. He's ahead of you, he's behind you, he's beside you, he's in your past, he's in your future, he's with you right now. God's with you. Wow, the shepherd. I wonder if we can, maybe just have Sarah for now as the keys, that'd be great. He's my shepherd. Hope he's your shepherd. We just need to be sheep to follow We don't want to be a renegade sheep. <laughs> he wants to lead you to rest. He wants to restore you. He wants to fill you. He wants to bring you peace. He wants to protect, correct. He wants to support. He's with you in every moment. He wants you to experience and bring heaven to earth. He wants you to overflow into your life. And whatever you do, whether you let him follow you or not, his love is chasing after you. And he'll be with you forever. The perfect shepherd, our saviour, Jesus. Because he's a shepherd. It says in John, he knows his sheep. He knows you and me. He, know, he knows what we need. He knows if we need rest. He knows if we need peace. He knows if we need strength. He knows if we need wisdom. He knows if we need correction. He knows. He's the shepherd. He knows. We've just got to follow. Just got to meet with him. Be open, be humble, be a follower. Holy Spirit. As we were worshipping today, I was thinking, praying, God, what, how do you want to finish this today? How do you want to finish this today? What do you want to do in us today? And I, I couldn't get past the verse 2. 
He lets me rest in green meadows. He leads me beside peaceful streams. I believe that's what he wants to do in us today, corporately, individually. He wants to lead us to rest. He wants to lead us to peaceful streams, being filled with the Holy Spirit. Rest. Rest. Rest in knowing he's with you. He's ahead. He's got it worked out. He's close beside you. Let's just meet with God. God's here. We're here. Holy Spirit, we just come before you, God, today. And First and foremost, if, if we haven't really been following you, if maybe we've been following from afar, it feels like, we just turn back to you. We just correct that in our lives and we want to be close. We know you're close with us, but we want a close awareness. We want to know your voice. We want to hear your voice. And, we, and I thank you that wherever we have gone, you've been with us anyway, God, but we want to correct our thinking, our attitude, our awareness. You're right here. You're within us. You're for us. You're with us. Holy Spirit, I pray that you just lead us to rest. Lead us to peaceful streams. I pray that you fill us afresh with your living water, Holy Spirit. Oh God, I pray for the rest to, to overcome worry and anxious minds to loosen even bodies Lord God and your rest just to flow and overflow in abundance peaceful streams